0: Thanks for joining us at Summit Church. No matter where you are at on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are excited to share God's word with you through this week's message. All right, let's just jump into the word. How many here have ever been, raise your hand, have you ever been in a car crash? A car wreck, car crash, raise your hand. Wow. That makes me not want to drive on the roads this afternoon. How many have been in... Two car crashes, raise your hand. Okay. Uh, can I go for three car crashes? Oh my goodness. Y'all, I don't would hate to see your insurance bill. How about four? How many but four? Okay. Isaac, <laughs> I don't know what in the world you're doing, brother. But <laughs> you're not driving my car. <laughs> How can I go for five? Anybody with five? Oh my goodness. We got five, six? And seven, and eight, yes, still have his. Can I say nine? Nine, even a nine? Wow, eight. So eight's the lo- number. Wow. You all, I have nothing to give you, but, you know, I'm going to pray for you. You know, that's all I can say. That sound of the metal hitting metal, you know, that crinkling of that kind of stuff, just, oh, I can never forget that. I remember the first time I was ever in a wreck. Actually, I was seven years old. My mother was driving. It was a Jeep. She, she was driving. We lived in Denver, Colorado. She was taking me to school, snow on the ground. She came around the corner, fishtailed. Next thing you know, she was frightened. She was alarmed. Instead of you know, pressing in the clutch, putting in in neutral, it was a stick shift, she, or was hitting even the brake for that matter, uh, she hit the accelerator and put it to the floor. She punched it. And the Jeep just went into overdrive, hit this embankment, climbed the embankment. And there was a big, huge oak tree on the top of the embankment. The Jeep climbed the embankment and then began to climb the tree, literally climb the tree. My head hit the windshield when the Jeep hit the embankment. It cracked the entire windshield. And now I'm opening my eyes and kind of seeing stars. But, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm seeing branches of a tree. And sure enough, I was. I was sitting in the, my seat looking up at branches up inside. And look over, my mom's like, Aah! you know what I'm saying? It's just like that. And just like stunned. And so I reached over, seven years old, and I turned the Jeep off with the key, the ignition. And it just kind of, you know, slid down the tree and came to a rest. And uh, she got out. And she didn't ask if I was okay. She didn't check me, you know, even though there's was a shattered windshield because of my head. She, she, got, she, she was so stunned herself. She got out and began to look at the tree, make sure the tree's okay because <laughs> it was someone's yard. And then she looks at the Jeep and then she goes to the, the front door. She knocks on the door. A guy comes to the door, and she's crying. She goes, "I just, I just ran into your tree. I apologize. there's some bark missing, and the tulips are all on the ground. I'm so sorry." And meanwhile, I'm sitting in the jeep, you know, with a big old goose, and, uh, what do you call goose egg, on my head. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, we, it was a very traumatic experience. I never want to experience that again. Unfortunately, I have experienced that experience several times since then. I remember I was. I was driving and um, wasn't paying attention. I hit somebody in front of me at a a stoplight, and uh, so I got out. We just had a new cell phone, and I called my wife, and I said, you'll never believe I ran into the nicest people just a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to talk to you this morning about preparing for impact. When you think of this phrase, typically it's a phrase that, has negative connotations. You know, uh, a, a pilot goes, uh, get ready, everyone, and prepare for impact. What does that mean? That means this thing's going down. Uh, or uh, battleship, uh, you know, or Enterprise, or uh, Starship Enterprise, uh, get ready, prepare for impact. We're entering into a meteorite field, or, you know, a car's about to crash, whatever. So, But I want you to see this phrase, prepare for impact, in the whole new light today. I believe it's a positive thing. It's a good thing that God's going to show us. We have three vision statements here at Summit Church. We need to recite them from time to time. Everyone say this with me. Number one, our vision statement is to know God. Everybody say to know God. God." Number two, it's to grow in my faith. faith." And number three is to make impact in my community. Those are the three vision statements of this church And so I believe that is true, that God has brought us together for such a time as this that we can literally become a force in this community that people saved and unsaved alike really are affected by our unity, by our passion, by our love, by our conviction, by our kindness, and by the joy of the Lord. And that literally, as God flows through us, people's lives are even affected, their soul, their spirit, their mind, their body, their health, their families. Even their purpose is altered because somebody like you came into their space and brought, in effect, a heavenly dimension. I received a prophetic word by text this morning. Uh, This person had no idea what I was going to be talking about, but I truly believe that God gives us prophetic utterances or gifts or speaks into us to talk to others, encourage others. And they sent me this text, and I wanted to read it. They said, As I was praying for you this morning, Pastor JP, in the Summit Church, I felt like the Lord was telling me that God is calling the Summit Church body of believers to be the spiritual attraction, the buffet table of God's Word, and the place to find eternal rest for all those people that come here seeking even natural things. So be encouraged to know that God is with you you, and with Summit Church. Man, that was that was just encouraging to me. Come on. Let's just give God some thanks for that, you know? That's good stuff. And so I believe that, that God is doing that, and even right here in this South Alabama, that God wants to take this little community of believers, and, and He wants us to be such a powerful impact uh, in this community that even touches even the world. Uh, so, so I'm a I'm just going to tell you a um, little disclosure here. I, I love war movies. I just do. I love. I am a guy and I love war movies. I, and and uh, there was a movie that came out recently and I I, uh, I wanted to go see it and I asked my wife if she would come with me she, uh, and uh, it's, and she goes what kind of movie is it I said so it's a war movie and she goes is 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 there going to be uh, is there going to be any any dying going on <laughs> I said well I, I don't know but Probably, because it's a war movie. And uh, she goes, is anything going to be blowing up? I said, probably, because it's a war movie. And she goes, like, is it going to be any blood? I said, probably, because it's a war movie. She goes, well, I'm not interested in going. Go find someone else. And, and uh, so she stayed home, watched Hallmark, you know, Christmas. <laughs> Come on, sir. You know what I'm talking about? So finally I found a, a real man <laughs> to go with me. And, uh, and, and so we went to see this movie. And, and it was a kind of a highlight. The movie highlighted these, uh, the, the, um, the, uh, the war that took place in World War II in the Pacific uh, Theater. And it was really kind of a highlighting uh, dive bombers or these kind of pilots that were trained. And, the, and these pilots had been trained to uh, to fly and to look for um, uh, what we call a, 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 the aircraft carriers, and that's like the, the the gold nugget. That's that's the prize of prizes. If you can if you can uh, dismantle or uh, bomb a a, a a a a an aircraft carrier, I mean, forget the battleships, forget the submarines, forget the other little ships. If you can find an aircraft carrier, then that's a, a major blow to the enemy's forces and influence. In that arena, and so uh, it's, uh, this movie is about these 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 pilots, you know, dry, you know, flying high up into the into the air and searching out until they found aircraft carriers, and then they would dip the nose of the plane down, and they would go into what they called a nosedive, and they would <laughs> go directly down, straight down, in, towards that 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 that, that, um, that aircraft carrier. And there's bullets flying, there's things going off, there's, you know, all sorts of shrapnel taking place, things exploding around them. And yet, you saw these pilots and their, their faces were set like flint upon this aircraft carrier. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger as they got closer and closer. And, and behind the pilot was the co-pilot and he was saying 8,000 feet to impact 6000 feet to impact 4000 feet and you're like oh is he going to make is going to 2000 feet to impact and suddenly the guy the pilot pulls back on the controls and the plane comes out of the dive and barely with just a few feet above the the, the aircraft carrier he drops the load of a bomb and it falls right onto that aircraft carrier oh i'm done. You, you see i really like war movies you know <laughs> can you tell I like warm ones. and he flies off in the distance and there's holes all throughout his wings and his plane and everything but they're unscathed and this is a true story about a couple of those pilots and they they bombed two aircraft carriers in the the Pacific theater and they got all sorts of medals and everything because that was a very hard thing to do most people died in the process but they did too they they bombed two of them well, it was a powerful impact. What I love about these kind of war movies is believe it or not, you may not think this is true, but God actually talks to me in a war movie. <laughs> I'm reading, I'm looking at this, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm identifying with these, these guys, and they're flying way up into the heavenlies or as high as they get above the, uh, the, the the reach of the artillery. And then when they found their target, when they so high up there, they found their target way down below, they dipped their nose and they go into this dive so they can deliver an impact upon the target to, that they had spotted below. And what the Lord just spoke to me and said, that's what I long for you to do. I long for you to ascend into the most heavenly of heavenlies. I long for you to go into a place of intimacy with me and I long for you to get a word from me. I long for you to get a payload from me. I long for you to become equipped with a word from me and I long to see you once you have a word from me to look down into the earth uh, and to dip the nose of your life uh, down into the targets below and I love to see you go and fall with such a power and force uh, that when you get to the earth uh, it makes such an impact uh, that everything that was normal before becomes changed and there's an impact made and that's what Jesus says he says if you're going to pray pray that thy kingdom come father on earth where as it is in heaven you got to ascend to the heavenlies you got to get a payload from God and you got to dive like a bomber come on no matter what's going on around you you got your focus set there's something inside you you got to deliver and so, I'm having a God moment. <laughs> I'll come home, my wife goes, how's the movie? I'm like, God's all over that movie. <laughs> you miss God. God would have spoke to you if you'd have gone to the movie. But no, nope. you want to watch Hallmark. And I can tell you exactly how a Hallmark movie is going to go every time. So the question is, what kind of force do you bring from the heavenlies into the earth? It may seem like we live in an out-of-a-way, insignificant place. But that doesn't matter where you're at. An out-of-a-way place can make, be made an impact from the kingdom of God if there's someone that desires for that to happen. I want to talk for a few minutes about a guy, believe it believer not, I've never preached a message my entire 30-some years of ministry, about this guy, and his name is Jabez. Jabez was a man in the Bible who was very insignificant. Yet, there was something inside of him that had a longing to become significant. This this guy's name appears in a very weird book in the Bible called 1 Chronicles. First Chronicles, especially the first nine chapters, is basically the Old Testament's version of ancestry.com. It's like this guy begat that guy, begat that guy, beget that guy, beget that guy, beget this guy, he begat that guy, he beget this guy, yada yada yada. For nine chapters. It's not you don't really wake up in the morning and go, I just need to spend time with God. I'm turning to first chronicles chapter two and get a begin. I need a good beget from God. You know what? You just don't go there. They were fast, The Jewish people were, were fascinated with their ancestry as well as we are, many of us today. My wife's mother was um, always telling her children that they had a lot of Indian inside of them and that they come from Indian stock. And I used to think you know, as a growing up as a child, I, I for some reason always wished I had a lot of Indian inside of me. I don't know why. It seems like it would just be cool to have Indian inside of you. So I uh, but uh, there's no Indian. But anyway, my, my wife has been told for many years that um, they have a lot, a lot of Indian inside them. One day my, my wife asked her mother, said, mother, what kind of Indian do we have? And she said, the mean ones. We come from the mean ones. <laughs> I don't know what that is, just the mean ones. We came from the mean ones. And so they did a little Ancestry.com, a little check, you know, here recently, you know what I'm talking about. They went online they did all the stuff and saliva, too, all, the, all that stuff, and they sent it in. And, um, and they got the results back. And lo and behold, my wife and her siblings found out that they are 0.0% Indian in their li- line of history. There's no Indian, not mean or nice, no Indians at all. But in the Old Testament, the Bible was um, the heritage was important to Jewish people. They wanted to know who they came from. And they disliked people that weren't, you know, kind of in the lineage or um, not purebreds, if you would, not, not clean like them in the, in the, the lineage. They, they wanted to know who their father was, who their grandfather, who their great-grandfather, who he... his father was, and and they had learned it, memorized it, many of them, all the way back to David, and then before David, they had the lineage all the way back to Abraham, and you could even track from Jesus' birth all the way back to to Abraham, where he came from. It's amazing, the whole lineage story, and they they were very intricate. They wanted to know exactly where they came from. They wanted to make sure that that, that there was no uh, infiltration, something from the outside, that they were a pure bread type of people. Now, now my my let me just tell you story. so when I was 16, um, up until the time I was 16 we had, you know, we we had pets. I, I wanted to have a dog. I said to my parents, we lived on a farm, how many of you have ever lived on a farm? Raise your hand, lived on the farm. You know what I'm talking about. So, so we didn't have any dogs, uh, nothing, no animals like that. We just moved to this farm. And I said to my, I want to have a dog. And with no dog going to live in this house. My mom said, well, I said, well, I don't care if it lives in the house. Outside. I just want a dog. She said, well, the only dog you're going to get is if God brings you a dog. And my dad says, hold on, son. God's going to bring you a dog. And so uh, sure enough, a few weeks later, this little stray dog come up hanging around the house. And my dad began to feed it. Next thing you know, I had a pet. It was my dog. It was an ugly dog. <laughs> we called them mutts. That's what we call mutts. Just a, what's a mutt? A mutt is an ugly dog and no one knows where they came from. That's what I, and that was my pest. And when that dog died, i get another stray dog and that became my dog. All I knew was stray dogs, mutts, ugly looking things, things made up of all sorts of uh, dogs. You know what I'm saying? There by 800 dogs in my one little mutt dog. And so I was 16 and I was... You know, kind of going through the Encyclopedia Britannica. We don't have those these days, but we have Google. But we, in those days, we have books called Encyclopedia Britannica. We call it Google today. And I was going through it, and I saw dogs. And I saw all these particular kinds of dogs, they all were different kinds of breeds. And I said, I want, I've want. i been working at Walmart, saving my money. I said, I want a real dog. I don't feel like I'm a man until I got a dog that looks like one of these pictures. And so I, I picked out the dog I wanted. That dog right there, it was a beautiful looking, like a husky type of looking dog. Um, we called it, well, you know, the spelled Keys Hound. I don't think that's the way you say it, but that's the way you spell, spell Keys Hound. And, and I, want, I said, This is the dog I want. So I began to search the papers and find that dog. And I found this guy selling the, that particular kind of dog. I took my little money, and one of my first things I bought with my own money was a dog from this guy. He had all these little puppies, Keeshound dogs, and I picked that one. I got that dog, and I went to my car. I'm going to take this thing home, and the guy says to me, he goes, well, do you want the papers to go with that dog? I said, papers? He said, yeah, the dog has papers. Well, yeah, I'll take papers. I'll take whatever paper, toilet paper, you know, toilet paper, you know, well, I don't know what kind of paper he's talking So he gave me some papers. I said, okay, thank you. And I took it home. And um, I showed it to my parents, my dog. This is my dog. It's my dog. Mom said, it's not coming inside. I don't care. It's my dog. And guess what? It's got papers. <laughs> and they said, you know what those papers mean? I said, I have no idea, but it's got papers. They said, that means that that's a full-blooded dog. There's not a trace of a mutt here or a mutt there. I said, that's what I wanted. I wanted a paper dog. And I was so proud of my dog. I loved that dog. That dog and I, we became good friends for a long time. And it, but, and it was important to me that it was a full blood. Well, the Jewish people were the same way. It was important to them that their, that their pedigree, if you would, remained pure. There wasn't defiled by other uh, heritages and types of people. And so they had to list out these, these ancestry-type things that was important to them to know. So in First Chronicles, first chapter, nine chapters, we find this like, list of, of, of in, you know, people's heritage, but yet there's something that stands out. It was like 600 names. This guy begat, this name, this guy begat, this guy begat, this guy begat. And then, boom, just this one little, two little verses, it stopped, and it was no more, and he begat who, it, it stopped, and it was like this little blip on a radar, And in the middle of these ancestry lists, it's like the writer, the scribe said, hold on a second. You need to look at this guy right here. He's different than all the other 600-some people that I'm listing on this piece of paper. He's in the least section, least read section of the Bible in one of the least read books of the Bible. His name is Jabez. And he's not known for anything that he did. He's known for something he prayed. Something about this prayer caused the historian to pause and say, hold, 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 hold on a second. We can't go any further until you find out a little bit about this guy, Jabez. Jabez. In fact, there's nothing else in the entire Bible about Jabez. You can find, research the entire Bible. Nothing else you find about this guy except this one thing three things. First of all, things started off bad for this guy. Secondly, we know that he prayed an unusual prayer. And the third thing we find is that everything ended incredibly good in his life. In fact, he made a difference. He made a difference. He wasn't just another name on the list of names of people. This guy actually stood, head and shoulders above everyone else and made a difference. Do you, do you desire to make a difference? I remember the first time in my life that thought ever came to me. I was 10 years old at Camp Deercott outside of Troy, Missouri, just north of St. Louis, at a youth camp for one summer. The church I grew up in and I was a part of at the time, we only had organs and pianos. At this camp, they had young people leading the singing or the worship, and they had drums and guitars and microphones. That just blew me away. And on top of that, they were singing songs very unlike the songs we sang in our church. There were no books we were reading out of. They were just singing songs, it seemed like, from their heart. And the melodies and the harmonies were captivating to this 10-year-old little heart. As I stood there that first night of camp, they sang the camp song, the theme song for that camp. And the song was called, this is how long ago it was, it was called Pass It On. And when they sang that song, something happened in this little guy's heart that had never happened before. It was like all my eyes were peeled. I was watching everything. And that song, the words powerful. In fact, as soon as they got done singing that song, I got the words and I memorized that song in a matter of minutes, which was unlike anything I'd ever done in my life. I love that song. And they, the next service we had, I made sure I was in the very front row. And I was standing there on the front row, and uh, they started singing that song. And I, I was like this, like, really obnoxious 10-year-old, and I was, like, all in, you know? I was like, I can't believe how awesome this is to have music and band and a whole thing and this song, and I know the words, and I began to sing it with everything I had, right there in the front, you know, I'm like, ah, 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 you're singing this song, and, and apparently I must have caught their attention because after the service was over, they they asked me, they said, they said, Would you like to s- sing with us the song Pass It On? Apparently, you like that song. Uh, and would you like to sing with us the n- And we had more than 200 kids there and everything, and all out of my peers and people a little bit older than me. And I'm like, Me? You and me? To-? They go, Yeah, why don't you come up here on that song and just join us? You know the words we saw, you, you know the words. I'm like, Okay, thank you. And they. I walked up. They said, we're going to have practice about an hour before the next uh, service. So can you come? Yeah. So I showed up, and they put a microphone in my hand. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. hey." (laughs) I had no idea what to say. That was like, this is cool. This is cool. cool." And uh, so anyway, we practiced the song. And then we had it all down. And I just, I was like, this is so fun. And then all the kids came, and they sat down. And we began to sing, pass it on. And, and because you're asking me, I'm going to sing a little bit of that song right, <laughs> right now. Because I know you're like, I really wish I could hear a little bit of that song. <laughs> and so the words, just a little chorus, not the whole, the whole song, it goes like this. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around will warm up to its glowing. And that's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you want to sing. It's fresh like spring. You want to pass it on. That was the chorus of the song. Just that simple chorus. And so, when I sing that song, something happens in the midst of that song that I think changed my life. When I got to that one part, that took all of your... That's how it is with God's love. I'm 10 years old. That's how it is with God's love. I was all into it. And when when I sing that like that, I, I was watching, and as I was watching, I saw young people my age and a little older like this. And I, I thought to myself, this thought, I never thought before, did, did I just help them connect with God? This thought came to me. This wasn't my thought. It was the Holy Spirit. Did I just help them connect with God? And it dawned on me, at the age of ten, God just used me as I belted out, "That's how it is with God." As probably as bad as it sounded, somehow God used that little voice of a ten-year-old to cause somebody to be drawn into His presence, all that was going on in this little brain and when I sat down and I took my seat, I said to myself, I will never be the same again. because something just happened there that I've never dreamed could ever happen. that God, used me to make a difference. Mm. Can, can I say the greatest thing that can ever happen in your life is for you to realize that as insignificant perhaps as you think you are, as little as you think you are, as obscure as you think you are, as least talented as you think you may be, that God can and will, if you utter a prayer, use you to make a difference. Just a difference. Doesn't have to be a big difference, but just a difference. In fact, even this past week, I love it. See, it doesn't have to be, a, you don't have to sing, you don't have to be a preacher, you don't have to be a great... Theologian, You can just be a person that changes oil or hammers a nail with a hammer into a piece of board. God, it doesn't matter what is. I'm so proud of this church because even this past week, I want to show you pictures. We had a lady come a few weeks ago to our church. She's in a wheelchair. She said, I can't get to the church because I don't have a way to get there. And we collected money. You gave money. We got some guys together. And we, this past week, went to this lady's house. We built a wheelchair ramp for her and this lady now can come to the house of God and you made a difference. Come on, just a little difference. It doesn't have to be a big difference. Just a difference. It doesn't have to be a big explosion, but just a difference. So here's the passage of scripture, 1 Chronicles chapter 4 verse 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. So he, he'd get this. Before this, it was like, so-and-so beget, so-and-so beget, so-and-so beget, so-and-so beget, so-and-so. And Jabez, hold on. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. But Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory and let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. And then it goes on. And so and so beget so and so, so and so beget so and so, so and so beget so and so. But this one guy was different. For the next several weeks, we're going to talk about things that Jabez did to make an impact. We're just going to cover one today. Number one, he lived honorably. Jabez lived honorably. Honor was his priority. Scripture says. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Listen, if you, here's a quote. I love this quote. There is really very little difference between people. But that little difference makes a great difference. God, I know you want to write that down. So I'll say it again a little bit slower for you. You might even want to tweet this one. That's fine with me. (laughs) There is really very little difference between people. But that little difference makes a great difference. So the question has to be asked, what does it mean to be honorable? The word honorable means simply Jabez was more honest than anybody else. If you wanted to know the truth, Go to Jabez. Who spilled the milk? Nothing. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, Jabez. Sammy. He couldn't lie. He he just couldn't do that. He was honest. That's what honorable is. I'm honest. Even if it hurts me, I'm going to be honest even if it gets me into deep trouble, at least I will have the integrity of knowing I'm an honest person. Not a white lie, not an off-white lie, not a close to a black lie, but maybe still white. It's flat out what I say is the truth. Don't talk to me. I know this is good. But this is what honorable is. You're honest. It means that you're without deceit and you're full of character, and you're respected, more respected, and you're regarded with esteem, and you're without reproach. Honorable. I think if there's a, anything that our nation is starving for right now is to see someone as honorable. Because everybody wants the easy route. But not Jabez. He chose not to go with the crowd. Jabez chose when it come to all of his peer groups that he would love people even when he didn't agree with them. And he wasn't going to bully them and guilt them or shame them and to becoming what they need to be he was just going to love them the way they are and he was going to take the high road even though compromise would be a much easier way to go he decided he was going to take the high road, no matter what it cost him, that he would be a person that understood people and desired to understand them more than to shame them or to guilt them or to make them feel bad. He he wanted to know what you're thinking and he cared for you and he loved you and he was going to be honest with you and he was going to treat you with care and, and, and with respect. This is Jabez. This is Jabez. Simply put, Jabez... He wanted to be more, and he wanted to do more than everybody else. I'm going to have a worship team come as we get ready to close. Honor. Honor begins simply with a question you ask yourself. Do I want to fit in, or do I want to make a difference? Because if you want to make a difference, you will not fit in. And Jabez was willing to go at it alone if that's what it meant. And perhaps Jabez did go at it alone for a long period of his life. But it's it's interesting to me that Jabez decided to rise above everybody else and become that person that no one else was because it wasn't popular to be that kind of guy, but yet we never hear about the other people, we just hear about him. If you, want to hear, if you want people to talk about you long after you leave, then you need to be somebody that's honorable. What an incredible compliment that would be for you long after you're passed away, your children, your children's children are talking still about their great-grandmother, great Grandfather, and how honorable of a person that they were. How upright, trustworthy. And they were all going to tell you the truth. They weren't going to deceive you, connive you, try to get one on you. They were honorable. An honorable will cost. When I was a, some have heard this story, but when I was a sophomore in high school, that's when I had my first run in with the word honorable. I was just a kid, just like anybody else, just wanted to fit in and be like everybody else, get a good laugh, have a good joke, have a lot of friends, make it through school. But when I came to my cafeteria table the sophomore year of school, my, tur- well, my world turned upside down. It's in that spring year. Still nippy outside. Past weekend, they'd had prom. And a lot of my peers, that I didn't know about this, but they'd gone to the prom or gone to the parties after the prom. And all my guys and buddies I hung around with that spent the nights with and played ball with and did things with. We talked about hunting and sports games and the hockey game, all that stuff every Monday morning It's all we talked about. But this morning, they weren't talking about that. When I got there, they were talking about how drunk and how wasted they got that past weekend, how so-and-so messed around with that girl and how that girl acted. It's like I sat down at a foreign table, like all the people that I thought I knew I didn't know anymore bell rang, they got up, they went to their classes and I sat there for stunned for a few moments. I didn't see this coming. Something happened. just happened. It just happened out of the blue. It dawned on me as the course of the day unfolded that I had to make a choice if I was going to maintain and have friendships I would probably have to compromise in some areas of my life. I would have to become this party guy. And I'd have to know the jargon and the language and be in all those fun conversations that they thought were so fun. And I'm telling you what, it was like the worst day of my life. And when I went home that day, this is just being real, as real as I can be. I changed out of my school clothes. I went up to the barn to feed my pigs. I fed my pigs, went into the next room over where all the hay was, and I crawled up onto the hay. And I said, God, I just lost everybody that I know as a friend today. And I know what you're asking me to do. I didn't know the words then, but what God was asking me to do was to be honorable. He was asking me to rise above, to be different, to be not like everybody else, to not follow the crowd. You know how hard it is to tell a teenager not to follow the crowd? Who wants to be that guy? And I said to God with tears in my eyes, I looked out the barn windows, I said, God, if these pigs are my only friends for the next two years of my life, I'll let my pigs be my friends. And I'll keep my honor, my integrity, and I'll keep this little seed that you put inside of me. And I'll see how you use me. Those are the two worst years of my life. When people say, Wouldn't you like to be in high school again? I'm like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> Not a chance. It was lonely for me, isolated in so many ways. But you know what I did? I kept my honor. They graduated with valedictorian, salutatorian honor roll but I'm the one that had honor. They were on the honor roll but I was on his honor roll. And one day I would be able to look at my wife who would one day be my wife and I would say to her I've kept myself just for you. Nobody else. Just you. I want you to be my wife. I want you to know I'm a man of honor, integrity. I don't regret any of those decisions. And I believe today what God is asking for us is to be people of honor as Jabez. He was more honorable than all of his brothers. Many of us have stories and we have our past. Perhaps there's not been a lot... A lot of honorable moments in our past. But here's the good news. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are made new. I had a man stand right here in the middle of this room coming to me after the first service. He buried his head into my, into my shoulder and cried. He said, I had to get here today. I don't know why, but I knew I had to get here. I've never been here before. And what I heard today what I needed to hear he said I've not been an honorable man but today from this day forward I choose to be honorable Mm. we prayed we hugged we cried today God is forming and creating an army of honorable people And one day, people will look around and go, I don't know what it is about that people over there. But one thing I know about them is they sure are honorable. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second Just a close prayer? Father, we, we've made a lot of wrong choices before. We've done some things that we regret terribly. And we know that we have hurt people in the, along the way. We know that perhaps to some degree we have we have stopped the plan, the beautiful plan that you had for our lives. But today we sense Holy Spirit, you're stirring something within us and there's something inside of us that says, God, I want to make a difference. I want my life to count for something. And and whatever sacrifice I need to make for it to look like that, God, I am willing to make that sacrifice. And I believe that you'll make up the difference. For some, he'll be your best friend. For some, he'll be your best comforter. For others, he'll be your best counselor. We thank you, Father, for forgiving us of our past and salvaging the life we have left. And it's our desire and our cry, Lord, at the end of our life For it to be said of us, and he, she, was more honorable than anybody else. Honorable. Honorable. Hmm. We thank you, Father, for hearing our cry and hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. (coughs) Amen. The sweet presence of the Lord here this morning. love for you to stand with me to your feet. Our prayer teams are going to be down front. Before you leave, we'd love for you to uh, give us the privilege of praying with you about anything that you have on your heart to pray about. If you're here today and you say, man, I, this Jesus, JP, you're talking about, I really need to know that. I want to know that. Listen, this is where we want you to come, right here. We'll pray with you. We'll we'll talk to you for a little bit. Are you ready this week to live honorably? Come on. How many are ready to be honorable? Amen. You ready to be honorable? Amen. Some of you have some choices to make this week. You might even have some conversations you need to have. But that's good. That's what happens when you choose honor. So one more time, we am going to pray, and we'll dismiss. We'll see you here Wednesday night. Father God, we thank you so much for our time together. And we thank you for impressing upon our heart the fact that we need to be honorable. We thank you for the cry that's coming from your spirit within ours. Rise up and be honorable. Be honorable above your peers. Be honorable above family. Be honorable above all people. Be honorable. And Lord, that's our cry. That's our desire. That's our dream, and that becomes our passion today. Father, we seek you. We seek honor in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Can we give him one more praise? Praise you, Lord. We love you, God. We give you all of our praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to visit us online at summitchurch.tv or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at summitchurch.tv.